You're listening to an irreverent podcast. Visit Irreverent FM for more content from our friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Janice Legata, and this is God Has Not Given, an evangelical podcast featuring me and my failing faith and conversations with my friends and family. And this is the first half of another two-parter. Coming into this season, it was my intention to do a nice, neat, compact, one-hour episode every other week, and now I just laugh because what? What was I thinking? So these two-parters are becoming the most likely suspect of a format, and you know what? I'm not mad at it. So we'll be spending the next two weeks with the Bensons. James and Mary, a couple from Virginia Beach who knew a certain celebrity pastor back when Hillsong, New York was still just a scheme in Brian Houston's heart. So get ready for a good time talking about all kinds of bad leadership and bad advice experienced in the good old days of a bad religion. Let's catch the wave. Mary and Jimmy Benson. Who I met through DMs. Yeah. <laughs> right. I don't even remember which which scandal was it because it wasn't the original scandal. It wasn't. I don't know. No, it wasn't, it wasn't the original. There was something else going on, and I, one of our friends that's deconstructing followed you and was like, "Oh my gosh, you know, you guys know about Carlette. I think it was Jamie. Jamie. Yeah. 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 And then that's, we saw uh, that's at Juiceless Jamie. Yeah. So he sent me a, a couple of people, and he's like, "Oh, these are people who know Carlette back when," and I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but like, I, I realized, I was like, well, I knew, I knew something was wrong with Carl, but I don't know why it never even occurred to me. People would have seen the problem before. Like, I was yeah. just like, oh, Hillsong did this. Hillsong didn't help, but like, same as me. He came in, I came in because there was already something wrong with us. Mm. We were already primed for that environment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I met, I met these two via Jamie, via one scandal or the other. We can't even remember which one it was. I'm a serious girl. So they knew, they knew Carl Lentz back in the day, yeah. pre-Hillsong. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about... Well, we're comparing notes, right? Because I mean, we had a very specific experience and a lot of that, from what I can tell, you know, broad stroke really compares a lot to what we had going on just uh-huh. a little more of a kind of a hometown vibe to what uh-huh. was going on here so being just a little more scaled down i guess I <laughs> maybe we'll see. we'll see so this this season on the podcast especially i'm wanting to focus on powers and principalities oh. you know the verse i kind of took took the name of my podcast from is that god has not given us a spirit of fear of love power and of a sound mind right so i'm exploring how we got handed fear instead of love power and a sound mind right. and so with you guys especially i want to talk about power and love and kind of the power we've given the church over love right. um, so we're gonna get into that but before we do we are going to determine whether or not i have been to church lately whether or not i should go <laughs> so benson <laughs> Give me three things that you make something in church. Mary, you knew some really specific stuff. I, I just I just stayed broad. Yeah, but I was going towards the negative. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, That's right. whatever, oh, yeah. So what's yeah. the first thing that you shouldn't do? You shouldn't be in a whole big old building, okay? Because now you got to pay bills and stuff. And you ain't, and you, you know, from the Bible that I read, you know what I mean? They were always, there was nobody poor among them, right? right. So everybody was, they, everybody was putting their money in the pool, to make sure that nobody was going hungry or whatever. So that big old building, that's messing up. You you, you just fucking the whole shit up. That's first off. But that's a not, okay? What it needs to be is community. You feel me? Not, not this, oh, let's focus on one entity. Because at the end of the day, we're all offshoots of God, living life in an experience, right? Yeah. And so our experiences is different. So it should be community coming together, bringing what you got. What did you get? Oh, I got this. You got that community. And it should, it should, um, it should focus. I I don't think it should be exclusive, um, exclusive, if you know what I mean, because you should be able to talk to a Buddhist. You should be able to talk to somebody who's Muslim. You should be able to talk to an atheist without getting your book ready to rebuttal. That's all I could get, though, right, babe? Right, the sword kicking in. No, I mean that was that was kind of a uh, yeah, that was a self that was a self check. I remember when we were deep within it was you know is this a personality based kind of thing? You know that was something that would 
surface bubble up for me all the time, you know, because there were a lot of personalities and a lot of egos driving the whole initiative. So, mm-hmm. you know, the the thing for me with a lot of the roles we got assigned, we would talk to, you know, we would do the post um, salvation prayer counseling and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that that thing that would cross our minds a lot was, I mean, if if we can give this person the same attention and validity that we would give to the the keynote speaker of the night mm-hmm. then then we're probably still in this for the right reasons right you know? so i mean that that um i guess that uh that way of channeling a personality-based environment to help check your own motive on um being based on or motivated by uh um, like a community and mm-hmm. people as individuals and seeing them as worthwhile no matter what they and not numbers be. And not damn numbers. We're yeah. not products. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, that's a mistake. But I think that, need, yeah, we narrowed it down to number one, which is people. <laughs> people. Because as the classical, as the epistemal, or the, uh, what, the word origin, ecclesia. You got to get it, babe. Big words. Right, so, so, the, so the people, you know, like the joining of like minds, that's, yeah, that's. That's a pillar, you know. That's the only one I could land on. I couldn't think of anything else. Like, I, I don't really think there's anything that defines it beyond that. Right. And we're being on superstars. You had a few other videos that didn't... Um, no, I, no, that's it. Because that was two for me, and that was one for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it all, all pretty much boils down to people and how they're being treated. That's right. it. It's people. Yeah. So if, if there really was something, a community like that, yeah, I would go. And I would say I have, I have been in communities like that. That's my, my theater groups and people I'm making music with and, and you know, right. all sorts of things. So if that's what it's about, exactly. yeah, I have been to exactly. church. That's um, it. That's all it is, really. It's real simple. Yeah. They just they just made it into the evangelical industrial complex. And that's what it is. Well, earlier today when we were talking and I... I the evangelical industrial complex? Yeah. I, 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 I fell in love all over again. <laughs> As you should. <laughs> that's that's what that's what we think of church now but at one time we are here because we were in a very very different environment um and so we'll talk about where we are now and how we got there well let's let's go back to to you guys before carl lentz before wave before all of that how did you get into this wild christianity mm-hmm. you should start with your it's for you. It goes back to your dad's own. Oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's far back. Yeah, yeah. Well, my father was Muslim, and of course we're Nigerian, so it's very common for Christian women to marry Muslim men. Or no biggie. It's not a big deal. So my mom, she's Christian. She married, and I say the word Christian lightly, like she believed in Jesus Christ. But she did. She still did the Yoruba Yoruba culture thing, where you work with the mm-hmm. earth, you know. So she still had that. But um, she met my dad, and then so like my older sister, her name is Rashidat, which is Arabic, and then um, my brother, my older brother, his name is Jimma, right? And that was that. Those are all Muslim names, and you know, and uh, all of a sudden, my dad converted, and it was Mary, Hannah, and Moses. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, and then they all come to the States and stuff. So, but so, I grew up in a, So you, you were born as a conversion experience. I sure was. I sure was. <laughs> Daddy said I'm throwing it all away. Inshallah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but it, even though he, he kind of thought he threw it away, there was still, uh, you know, like we weren't allowed to eat pork. Oh. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know um, even when we went to church, we covered our head. Like we, we would. And it was just. This thing that we did, and so, but the church that we went to when we were younger was mixed with Yoruba culture and Christianity. So it was more like they acknowledged Christ, they acknowledged like angels and all that stuff, but they stayed with the Yoruba religion and the Yoruba culture. So you know, we pray in water, we like candles, we do incense, and that's what I grew up with. So by the time I went to, I got, I think it was, I went to college. It's dangerous on them dang on uh, college campuses. They out here giving you credit cards, you know, and then they trying to, right, and then they get you in the church. That's what they do, some of them. They be on there proselytizing themselves. That's exactly how I got saved. It was some girl that came over. She was like, oh, I got something for you. And I was like, oh, okay, what's good? We go into the room, they all praying. I said, all right, y'all look all happy. I want some of this. What's good? (laughs) What is it? And they were like, oh, it's Jesus. Oh, yeah, 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 I know Jesus. And I told her I went to my church that I go to, Celestial Church of Christ, that's what it's called. 
And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is, you know, non-denominational, evangelical, blah, 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 blah. I was like, okay, well, tell me more. Now, growing up in the household with my mom, she's always told me that I can go anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's just maintain your relationship with Christ. That's what she was saying. Yeah. It's just all about that. She was like, you know, there's times where I went into the mosque with your dad. And while they were bowing down, and he was bowing down. She said, I was bowing down talking to Christ. So I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So I was like, let's go. And then all of a sudden, long story short, fast forward, we go to wait. Oh, that's a lot of fast forward. <laughs> How long is podcast going to take? It's too long. I experienced some abuse in Texas. Um church abuse there. Oh, yeah, some names. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I mean, folks was on TBN the whole day. So that's when the money thing started coming in, and they were like, okay, well, you're in the position that you're in because you're not giving enough money. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, bad. Let me go ahead, oh, tithes, I'll start giving the tithes. And they said, oh, above and beyond the tithes. Oh, yeah. Using, and I said, uh, right. using your credit card. Using, yeah, using credit cards. It was bad. It was bad. Mm. Mm -hmm. And then I found myself away. Well, praise the Lord. Because <laughs> yeah. yep. I found my man in. <laughs> the motivational speaking like Tony Robbins right. did. You know, well, that was our chance to be equally yoked long enough to. Right, right. But then it came with the price. It came with <laughs> 10 years later. Yeah. It sure did. <laughs> What's your story, yeah. So, yeah, what got me to that point was being uh, raised as a oof, PK, TK, MK. My parents were missionaries at some point, and then um, we also got involved on staff at a church in Maui for a couple of years, and then we moved to Virginia Beach, where we are now, so that they could go to Regent University, get master's degrees, and get into mm -hmm. teaching. Uh, so I became a teacher's kid at a private Christian school after enduring uh, MK and PK status <laughs> so I, I had a, i think i had a better experience than the average person you know i think a lot more of the traumas and things like that are more to do with like in, implied things i didn't really deal with anything directly negative during the time when we were my, my parents were based in uh, guatemala during the missionary phase mostly in the city area and then in Hawaii, that's Hawaii, you know. That's that was nice. you, you 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 plucked one of my nerves talking about this dude that's trying to do a out there. I'm like, I've been there, I've seen the right. religious landscape there. It is fine. Like he <laughs> was out there ready to fight. We're already talking about like, you know, not only is there pandemic issues, but there's also like shortages. Like people who live there who have lived there since before the hostile takeover in the early 1900s are like short of resources and everything. They're the ones that have to conserve on water, not the people checking into a hotel for a week. Right, but, right. Uh, Can you tell like he tripping? Yeah, got me off track. <laughs> now he's right. Yeah. Cool. Oh, and, and on top of that, I was born in Tulsa. Um, uh, I was like an ORU baby. Mm -hmm. so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, so started with that and then mission field experience. I will say that gave me I think I think one of the hidden gems about the whole evangelical missionary premise is that even though it's got kind of this colonial colonizing objective to it, it exposes kids to places outside the states at an early age and most of the people I grew up with have adjusted amazingly well to like today's climate. Like hmm. there's something, it's almost like a flaw in the design, you know, instead of like perpetuating that people realize like, no, like I was young enough to be able to just see people as they were without preconceptions. And I wasn't shoving some sense of superiority on hmm. people who already lived there. I was just seeing them as equals. And so there, there was, there was definitely some good in that. So the missionaries was getting saved. Well, that's basically what he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> they was going there to get saved. Just the missionary yeah. kids, though. Right, just, just the missionary kids. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. we got yeah, right. to differentiate. Somebody is <laughs> benefiting. Right. Um, yeah, because otherwise, like, you you have all the, the right credentials to be in the exactly wrong place right now. Like, you... <laughs> right, right. You should not be here. <laughs> I, I remember trying to spin that as a testimony at one point. I was like, oh, I, I just kind of sailed through the whole Christian thing. So, uh, you know. A testimony. Yeah. <laughs> it was that pressure to, like, have the one where you were just, like, at rock bottom. You had overdosed and spent all your money. And, like, you were in some yeah, hotel room. With, yeah, yeah. You, you know, I mean, you felt like you had to go through that. <laughs> so, how did you get Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the bridge, yeah. So, the... Um, Hawaii interlude led to the 
Regent University. Parents got their credentials. We mm -hmm. stayed here. They got teaching jobs. Mm -hmm. Split up. <laughs> and uh, it's been Virginia Beach since 93 now. So, you know, funny enough, the first church we went to when we came here was in the same building the wave eventually became. <laughs> so, like, we did the church hop thing, of course, you know, like all through high school and everything. You know, had um, my, you know, five to six interval, five to six year intervals of different brands of conversion experiences you know there's that initial one when you're about six in in that world <laughs> and then there, then there's the ones in high school and the right. other times where you become like your own person so it uh yeah it led to me landing it it wasn't even called wave at the time it was um virginia beach christian life center it was this ag church <laughs> that was kind of disassociating at the time and going through splits and oh. turbulence and that was about 2000 the year 2000, yeah, it was 2001, because I remember it was just like a few months before 9-11 happened. And then that, on top of my own personal low points, you know, I was in the middle of, um, my parents had divorced, I had lost my job, and some love inches I had chiseled out. Because that so, was coming through, y'all. That's right. That's why. Room. <laughs> yeah. all, the, all the classic, all the classic things of like, when people talk about being involved in a, a high demand environment, which is, I think it's the broader way of saying cult, because I think people, <laughs> people kind of retract when you hear cults. Yeah. But a high-demand environment can be a lot more, you know, encompassing. So one of those telltale entry-level issues a lot of people go through on their way into that or a high-level or a high-demand environment is that, yeah, they're in the middle of a big transition and, you know, big negative outcome, usually uh -huh. with family or something like that. Uh -huh. I was checking all those boxes. So um, that plus the whole 9-11 thing, I had pretty well cemented myself into that culture as early as yeah 2001 so the full run lasted about 16 years there and um mary showed up around 07 so yeah yeah that was 07 that was where we dovetailed back into yeah <laughs> hey, i see on here that you you asked should you go to church like should you go to the to the church that we was talking about yeah i should go so uh so let's church of christ with a yoruba people on you should go to <laughs> Right. sprinkled on you some incense going <laughs> i mean i do like that it it was more open yeah like, yeah like that I, I can't even imagine a church like that like we we did i remember growing up doing a new moon service yeah that's 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 demonic <laughs> Girl, when I went to Texas, homeboy straight up said, Your parents are going to the demon court. And I said, Daddy, I'm sorry, I can't be around y'all no more. They said, eh. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the whole big blow up when I went to evangelical church. And I told my father, I said, Y'all worshiping the devil. <laughs> <laughs> The, the fun circle element of that is, you know, unboxing how valid and not, not just valid, like just beyond valid indigenous spiritualities are, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and yes. releasing yourself to explore that and not fear, you know, like yeah. demonic repercussions. Uh, like that. Yeah. yeah. Not, not manifesting because you decided to, you know, wonder what it was like for somebody else, from somebody else's standpoint. I know. Right. Right. And so speaking of, demonic manifestations. Let's uh, <laughs> jump on all the way to November, 2020. <laughs> November 5th-ish, right after the oh, election, yeah. but before right. before the, the counting was all finished. Right. So in the middle, in the middle of that storm, Hillsong and Carl Lentz are, are in the news. When, when yeah. did you hear about it and what did you think? Jeez. I said, damn, you fucked up. <laughs> you fucked up. I remember, I'm not going to lie, I'm trying to be honest and frank, just like my podcast. I said, Jimmy, I guarantee you money is an African girl. And he cheated it. I said, she's either African or black. Ooh. Exactly what I said. And it just flew out my mouth, you know, because Jimmy, you know, Jimmy knows me. I don't hold my tongue. I don't hold my tongue for nobody. Been holding my tongue all these damn years. <laughs> no, I'm not holding my tongue now. It was either an African girl or a black girl, an African girl. And then I saw sis, and she was, ooh, I say, <laughs> Egyptian, gorgeous. Look, she made me switch over to LGBTQ. <laughs> If, she was gorgeous. If Megan like, Rapinoe yeah. doesn't already do it. If, if Megan, Megan Rapinoe, that's my home. Yes. 
But I, I was, I mean, I saw her and I was like, oh my gosh, she's gorgeous. But I already knew this. I already knew this. Wow. Yes, ma'am. I already knew it. I knew it because. Well, intuition kicked in. Into, well, intuition kicked in and from experience. Because when I first, when I first met Miss Lance was when it was me and my ex-husband who came back from New York. And I moved down here because the military. And we were in the service. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, they do that thing where they tuck, they pull the emotion strings and you run up to the front. And it was me and my ex up there. And, you know, Pastor Steve pointed at Carl and his wife, yo, get them. I don't know why. Maybe because we stood out. I'm 6'2", so, you know, <laughs> stood out. <laughs> but, um, but after that, going through the divorce and all, it was it was major for them to kind of like be be uh, aware because you know that was it was an abusive relationship. Just, so just in case homeboy came back, you know they wanted to make sure that everything was okay. And I, you know, I commend them for that. However, mm-hmm. we was having they assigned me to um, you know um, a white you know a white girl. How do you know what? Okay. Find you to a white girl. They sure did. <laughs> Mind you, she wouldn't know about my world from a hole in the wall. Nigeria, up in Brooklyn, you know what I'm saying? During during the you know the era where like crack vials was all over the floor, you know, Nigeria. She didn't know what was going on. However, I was just getting ready to talk to her, and we were sitting at the cafe because you know all of the churches have cafes. Mm-hmm. You know, another way to make coins. I was joking about calling it Hebrews, but never actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> and you know they're hoping a single mom out and you know I was really like I was done because it was an abusive relationship all of a sudden here comes Superstar Carl Lance he's spinning around he passed by <laughs> hey hey Naomi Campbell that's what he used to call me hey hey Naomi Campbell what you doing I was like yeah we talking you know because you know we gotta have the mentor session all the time ah come in my office I said oh okay bet. well praise the lord I must you know you have to not only be accountable, but be seen to be accountable. Right. It almost like it's almost forward. like you know I've touched you. You may enter into the realm mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my gosh, look at me. You know, and I go into his office, and the first thing I thought was, yo, this dude is mad cool. Like he's just. He's doing the swaggy. You know what I mean? Like I said, oh, you know, I don't want to curse in front of a pastor. So I said the B word, but I said the B word. Uh-huh. I didn't say bitch. Right. Yeah, I said my ex-husband had called me a bitch. He's, no, I said the B word. He called me the B word. And he said, no, he called you a bitch. He called you a bitch. He was pop locking and dropping it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, wait, hold up. Like maybe, maybe he's, in my mind, I thought, I said, maybe he's putting on this show because he can hear the New York accent. I can't throw it away, you know. He can hear the New York accent, and so maybe that's why he's put on the show, blah, blah, blah. That does bring out the best in folks. Right. And so, you know, he tells me, oh, he wrote himself off when he cheated on you. I said, okay, bet. Now I don't want to back anymore. He said, you can get any dude you want. So you hold on to yours. You're a beautiful woman, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, oh, my big brother, he's bigging me on. Fast forward to November 2020. No! Fast forward to when you oh. was getting ready to date me. When it, when anyone came along. Mm-hmm. Okay, tell your story, babe. I, I, I should have looked up, because I ran it down pretty good earlier and then forgot. Tell your story, babe. Uh, where were we at? We was at yeah. when Carl Lentz, yeah, so, when you went to Carl Lentz to say, hey, I want to date Mary. Yeah, I just remember there being, um, that was a real pivot point in terms of my whole my whole experience at that church you know because there was you know expressing interest in somebody who hadn't fully you know Mary was still somewhere in the process of doing all the final legal you know side of uh, the divorce process and my, you know she'd been separated for geez a couple of years by then oh yeah um, and uh, yeah that, that seemed to be kind of like a point of contention about my motives and the morality of whether or not we even got involved with each other and there was uh there was no overt labeling of what that implied about mary but it was heavily implied what that meant (laughs) um you know nobody wanted to throw any scarlet letters around but that was everything short of saying that 
you know, mm-hmm. landed within that. Just a, you know, it, was a, it couldn't have been more than a five-minute conversation on the phone, but it felt like an eternity for me because that was, I had a very heavily fortified, like, admiration for this guy, you know. Like, um, this was somebody who was, I think a lot of people our age that were involved in young adults ministry at the time particularly were conditioned to believe what senior leadership there already believed was that it was this kind of golden goose magical figure that just seemed to be able to wherever he landed it would just thrive and grow you know like if there was a if there was a uh, another location or a campus somewhere that was struggling i'll throw him at it and it's, and it's good you know it's like <laughs> you know sure enough i bought into the same kind of feeling of like okay there's something like magical or supernatural about this place. And, and, you know, like it was compounded by the fact that, yeah, getting around them, you do get a really great, like, this is really good vibe. Mm-hmm. Like there's, and that's like one of the things that like breeds, like it, it, it entrenches you in an even more deeper feeling of loyalty towards it. Like Charisma, babe. Really, I'll yeah. give you the word. Charisma. I'll give you the word. That's what it's called. The vibes, we weren't, vibes. We weren't dealing yeah. with vibes back then, were we? No. We no. were dealing with the Holy Spirit. Right. Vibe was, vibe was a bad yeah. word. Yeah, vibe was a bad yeah. word. That means the witch. <laughs> You're dealing with the sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> it's just saying that's what it was. It was charisma. Yeah. It was straight up charisma. So that was, I mean, getting getting kind of feeling like I was being almost kind of set in my place based on what I decided as far as going through with a relationship with Mary. That put me in a place of... Um, my takeaway from it was I was presented kind of with an ultimatum, right? Like I can go forward with what is happening and it's, you know, it's live organic and I'm responding really well to it, or I can conserve back off of that track and stay dedicated to climbing the church corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. Cause there was always this vague hope of being, um, identified or scouted or discovered like finally you know long last like i would do all these thankless thankless jobs as a volunteer you know for years at a time in some cases you know anywhere from oh geez i can't list i did pretty much everything yeah you did <laughs> jimmy was a damn janitor he closed up shop he was a security guard you know he yeah. was a personal assistant but jimmy janice he didn't tell you the truth about well, you left out what did he what did he ask you Mama, what did he ask? What you? did he ask you, Jimmy? Mm. Jimmy, don't. Jimmy, don't. Oh, like yeah. if, Okay, so like if you were involved with me and papers hadn't been signed yet. No, what Jimmy. Does that, what does that? He make asked you like? Jimmy if he had kissed. If Jimmy had kissed oh, me yet. Oh, yeah. What does that have to do with the situation, sir? Yeah. 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 And I thought it was my big brother. I thought you said I can get any man I want. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. Literally, See, Janice, I'm gonna tell up. you, no, you I know what? Because I'm triggered now, James. I'm triggered now because it was really hard for me. Here I am, single mom. All right, and I'm thinking, okay, now that I'm all, I'm all mentored by Carl Lentz. Like I can get any man I want, and all of a sudden, me and Jimmy start talking. It wasn't anything serious. He was holding my hand. Literally, I think we had one kiss. Jimmy ain't kissed me two months, girl. My sister's making fun of me, and he, he said that he's gonna kiss me on the way to the And then here he comes, telling telling him not to date me, and it's, so it was very confusing because I'm hearing on one end that I can get any man I want. I, you know, I'm beautiful. I'm this and that. And I was just like, oh, my big brother's bigging me on. And then the, here comes somebody that comes to you in confidence, and you say no, <laughs> flat out no. Yeah. And then Jimmy takes heed to it. Why? Because you were there by that time. You were, he was there about twelve years. That's true. I fast forwarded some of the. Yeah, you fast forwarded. There was a little. It, there was a little. Uh, we was at the Mexican restaurant. Girl, tell the truth. Let the devil do shame. Even though I don't believe in the devil. Anyways. What? Go ahead, babe. Tell the truth. Let the devil do shame. Somewhere. At the Mexican restaurant, Jimmy broke. <laughs> Jimmy broke up with me because of call. You know, upon the break. And I went home and I told Hannah, my little sister, I told Hannah, I said, I'm done. I'm done. Because you know what? I didn't even, I didn't even really introduce you to my son, Caleb, yet. And you out here because of Carl Lance trying to dump me. And I said, are you sure, sir? 
It was it was pretty back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Well, by that time, I was already giving you some Nigerian food. So what happened was that he came back the next day. <laughs> I think what saved that whole situation was that I still had the Tupperware. Facts. I had to give it back to you. Facts. He had to give it back to me. And then so, all of a sudden, uh, yeah, he come grabbing my waist. What you grabbing my waist for? We ain't dating. Carl Lentz told you to keep it. <laughs> so I don't need you to grab my waist. my Tupperware and let me go. And then that's when our friend Norman, and that's why he was his, he was Jimmy's best man at the wedding. Our friend Norman, he took him out to go eat. You might know him. You might know him. Well, he goes by Raphael, but we knew him as Norman. That's his middle name. But anyway, fast forward. Anyway, he said, look, he just kind of spoke some truth into Jimmy, right? Yeah. That's your story to tell. I wasn't there. That's true, yeah. So I went back to the, uh, went back to my, uh, got back in touch with my roots. We spent like, 10 days back in Guatemala. He was from there, too. Um, and he, he actually went to school with kids that I went to elementary with. He just came, like, a year after I left Guatemala. So that was really surreal. Like, he graduated with people I knew from second grade. Yeah, we spent a good while down there. And um, nothing like getting out of the States to be able to think a completely different way. So, yeah, it was a good moment of clarity. And, um, you know, by then we got back and all the paperwork had been resolved. On, on Mary's side, so that wasn't you know, before the paperwork. Let me tell you the story. Wasn't it? Jimmy, I don't know. I, my out timeline's all jacked up. Yeah, you blanking out a little bit. Oh. It was before the paperwork, okay? Because oh. the paperwork wasn't even an issue between us. You're right. You know what I'm saying? You're right. All right. So therefore, because because Jimmy, Jimmy Jimmy's bouncing around. Um, I think it was about uh, it was about a couple of days. It was a couple of days because I remember it was a Sunday that you broke up with me at the Mexican restaurant. I said, "All right, are you sure?" And then Monday, you came over to give him back my Tupperware. You trying to grab folks' weights. Then, I think it was three days later, we're going to Atlanta to my sister's house. And, you know, she, when Jimmy dropped me off there, you know, her husband. Oh, that was before? Yeah. Wow. Her husband said, because um, Jimmy's going to, now because Carlette said, hey, you're not supposed to be involved with her. So Jimmy was going to drop me off at my sister's house and then go, driving three more miles, I mean, three more hours to his friend's house to go spend a night doing the most. Extra. Mind you, know, you didn't want mind to you be came in at the middle of the night. Was avoiding even the appearance of people. Right, like I was trying to jump his bones or something. And um, my brother, my, my brother-in-law, Yika, um, he said, Jimmy was like, yeah, I'm going to head on out. He said, you are going nowhere. <laughs> I said, thank you. But, um, and that was that, that day, Jimmy was like, Let's just do this. This is this is who we are, you know. Let's do this, and here we are, almost ten years. Yeah. So fast forward to the time when we found out about Carl Lentz in that November twentieth, I mean twenty twenty. But um, I remember Jimmy wasn't sleeping. He was tossing and turning, and I remember talking to you in the middle of the night, and you would just he was grappling over the whole situation with Carl Lentz, like yo, like what if I really listen to this dude? You know what I mean? Like that, that's existential. Okay. Right. Right. That was. <laughs> and so that's when I, cause me, I was just like, whatever, I keep it moving. But I, I started to realize like, yo, like what if Jimmy really did? Cause Jimmy, I don't know if y'all know, but Jimmy, my soulmate and he know I'm his soulmate. Okay. Yeah. So, so that could have been thwarted, but then to think about it, how many soulmates or it's, you know, beautiful relationships have been thwarted yep. simply by this dude and yep. the evangelical industrial right, complex. By, by one person in practice, Absolutely. but then by conditioning in the system. Where white folks up. can't bring their little black, you know, their black girlfriends home to to uh, to the pastor. Mm-hmm. Girl. Yeah. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, it's so wild. So then the question I'm asking myself and I'm asking everybody and I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm like, why, why did we give that idiot so much power? Like, so why did his opinion matter so much? Because like you have, you have Norman, like you have your family, you have people that know you who are supporting this relationship. Right. But this idiot. He crept in girl. He crept in. (laughs) Big toe first. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I used to I used to look at like you know cult documentaries and I used to judge them I used to be like hell no ain't no way somebody gonna make me drink Kool-Aid you 
fuck out of here. And I realized, like, no, that was you, sis. <laughs> if Carlette said, drink this Kool-Aid right quick, we both gonna drink this Kool-Aid, I'd have drank it with him. Yeah. And I think that that's how powerful charisma is. Yeah. yeah. And then also, you know, when they get on stage, they're like, look at me. Yeah. You see me? You see my Louis Vuitton? You see this? You want that? Okay, well, then keep doing this, that, and the third. But we don't understand that the reason why you got the Louis Vuitton is because you get my coins. My, I pay for that Louis Vuitton. <laughs> I'm sneakers, the jewelry on the stage, that's mine. Yeah. I pay for it. You know, but we don't make that connection. And then a lot of it has to do with that it's completely normal to want affirmation. Yeah. It's completely normal. But then it gets shifted from like, whether it's parents, grandparents, or whatever, it gets shifted to the past, the pastor's wife, whoever's leading. Yeah. And I think that need for affirmation, that was, that was it for me. Because the fact is, is when I went into that office with him and, um, you know, I was afraid. I said, yo, like it says in the Bible that, you know, God hates divorce, but I'm done with this dude. And Carl said, he said, no. He said he wrote himself off. And so when he said that, it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. So I felt obligated. I felt like Jimmy was talking about loyalty. Like, yo, like, he helped me, you know, get over this dude. Even though it was for nefarious purposes, I personally feel. (laughs) But it still, in the grand scheme of things, helped me to move on. So he, uh... Here I am, like, yo, like, this dude did this for me. I got to be loyal to him. But then the loyalty stopped when he tried to uh, stop my man from coming from Right. Me. That's when the loyalty got slithered. Yeah, I mean, somebody comes along as if, um, somebody comes on basically like a, like an answer to prayer. You know, because, I mean, before he assumed the role over the young adults thing, he was um, still away in Australia. Mm-hmm. And there was always this buzz about, like, oh, when he comes back. Oh, He's gonna yeah. be, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. supercharged yeah, yeah. by the the Hillsong uh, magic. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. Wait, and, so uh, is his <laughs> is his origin story then a lie? Like what he told us? Because what like if you guys you? are waiting for him to come back from Australia, he already had position. Like he was already known. But like the story we got told was like he was he found himself in Australia. He didn't want to be a preacher. Like oh. somebody, you know, called him out and told him that. So he, yeah. he like had no idea before he went to Australia. So that He knew what he was going to Australia for. When he came from UNC, I think he went to uh, University of North Carolina. When he came there and he wanted to play ball. Now, mind you, I, th- I feel like the story is true, but over at Wade, not at Hillsong. Mm-hmm. Because he was a ball player. Yeah. All these people's ball players, right? Right. And then it was, it was his parents that were elders at Wade Church. That was like, they were talking like, yo, like we got to get him into something. And then that's when they told him, like he's got, well, I mean, I wasn't in the office, but what we know is that he went over there to get ready to come back over here and make it rain. No, the origin story we got is that he went over there just because God was leading him to. He didn't know why. To save Australia. (laughs) All right. Didn't know what was going to happen. And then surprise, surprise. Somebody picked him out on a chapel one day and was like, you're going to, you're going to speak. And, and he hid in the bathroom stall because he didn't see it. Didn't want to do it. Pastor Steve came from Hillsong Church. That's, uh, yeah. And was out here recruiting, recruiting charismatic personalities that looked like Pinterest models. Get them trained over at Hillsong like I was trained and bring their asses back so we can make this coin in this franchise. But not officially. Because Pastor Steve went to... Um, it was his own thing. Yeah, Pastor Steve was at... He came from Hillsong, even though he came from Queens. You gotta qualify that. Yeah. Okay, that's another story. I don't know if you know Astoria very well, but... Astoria. All I know about Queens is that it's got too many... 71st Street, 71st Boulevard, 71st Road. Like, <laughs> where are we going? There's a lot of 71st. It's like just too many versions of every street. Like, what? It's like there's never a second Baptist. Where's 72nd? There's, yeah. Street, there's a, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I already, I feel like he already knew from here what he was doing. There was, so there was yeah, away. there was a very, at least, at 
at best a very implicit expectation that going there was some type of grooming for a leadership pastoral role. Um, however, self-aware mm-hmm. he might have been, I don't know, but I mean, that was, you know, before we had, I had ever met him, like that was just the way people would talk in the young adult ministry, like, oh yeah, there's uh, this dude that, you know, he's away, you know, studying, but things are about to pop off. He's going to come back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they did. They did, you know. Uh, did. Over the, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like to get back to the, the question about like what gives somebody so much sway and influence in your decision making, like that was the thing. Like we spent, you know, we spent years with this young adult ministry that was kind of, uh, I think it was fine. It was Looking good. They had fog but, machines, girl. But at the time, it was like the club. But at, at, well, at the time, it felt like it wasn't the knockout success that it was supposed to be. You know, like I mean, and it's and I think that's, I think that's a safe assumption about any kind of like megachurch type of initiative. It's only worth doing if it's going to be a blowout success. Right. Like there's no like trying something, and if a few people stick to it, cool. At least it's good for them. There's just it's got to be like this mass appeal. Um, it's got to be a, a complete home run. You can't, we're not trying to get to first, second or third oh, base. Yeah. We're trying to round them all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and, and so, yeah. And then we were doing like, you know, we were doing uh rounders and getting to first and second base, you know, with the, mm-hmm. with the, uh, the way things were running, but you know, we had these ambitions, you know, like, Oh, we, you know, we saw ourselves being like farther reaching, more influential, things like that. And so, yeah, by the time that ambition and expectation plugged in with the right leader or figure to really make that happen, then it was just a, it's kind of a snowball from there, you know, like it just got a ton of momentum, a ton of growth, a lot of hype. It was like, Like, it was almost a thousand people would come, right? Yeah. So it was called Soul Central. Mm -hmm. And you go in, once you go into them doors, it was all dark, girl. All the lights was going like he was in a club. The bass was bumping through the walls, reverberating. Right. Fog machines going. And then Carl Lentz in the back, get ready. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, he really, I mean, I remember one thing that caught my eye was it was the whole ODU, NSU, Hampton University, all of the basketball players. They was in the front, mm-hmm. you know. So I was always thinking to myself, like, this dude is very, like, you know, he draws people to himself. It was literally a gift, a talent of his that he could just, and he was drawing mostly people of color. Like, you know, I was like, oh, I like you. All right. You know, but when he tried to get my man and not talk to me anymore, I cut his ass off. Which you not going to do. Another fast forward. Yeah. (laughs) But no, let's kind of jump to that because as, as black women in these even white evangelical spaces, they're, they're not for us. Nope, um, not at all. We're, we're too risky, girl. But um, we're too risky. We are. They can't put then... our mouth on a dang on stage. <laughs> I don't know what to do about what we perceive as anger. I'm pretending, you know, I'm pulling whiteness right now because <laughs> that's the quick, that's the quick categorization that that uh, pulls any agency away from black women is to like have this. You don't even have to say it. It can be implied. It can be a look on your face, just the way you react when somebody emotes or has something anywhere remotely resembling some expression of, like, anger or... Yeah, I'm angry. Yup. Yup. And I'm glad you know. Yeah. Okay? Yup. I'm aggressive and I'm angry, just like my ancestors was. Say something. That's right. (laughs) But, yeah, yeah, it was definitely easy. It was, you know, it was quickly just painted as... A negative thing or some, you know, like, uh, oh, geez. What no, it was an at-risk thing. They didn't want yeah. to put us on there because the fact is is that we was hurting. You killing our people. Yeah. Right. You're killing our people. And then to top it off, you ain't saying nothing. Yeah. So, yes, I'm angry. And so, you know, we had to play the part. Right. We played a part in order to be picked. So we couldn't, we had to put on a smiley face. Ooh. And I couldn't say, you know, I'm thinner. I couldn't say, yeah, you know what I'm saying? I had to... You know, talk like, you know, when I was at Abercrombie and Fitch. Welcome to Abercrombie and Fitch. Welcome. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. I hope you enjoy the service. We had to do that. We had to play a part in order to get the affirmation that we were looking for to, you know, to be seen, to say, hey, you know what? Me too. Like, I'm I'm getting experiences with Christ. Can I, can I share? Right. 
you know, that was the only way we can do it is if we made white folks comfortable. Right. And so with Carl, part of his his appeal was this like, oh, yeah, he black people like him. He likes black people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he loves, loves black culture. Yeah. But right. now I'm like, he doesn't he doesn't care about black people. <laughs> and especially not black women. Cause I'm like, he was my buddy for years. Buddies, oh. you know him. Oh, we're besties. You're my best friend. Yeah, no, you won't tell people that. We're besties. And I'm like, right. you, I get so mad now. You use me and I let you use me yeah. to to like trick the system and to make right. Hillsong look more diverse and to, right. you know, do the Black History Month things and to, yeah. to do just enough yeah. in these spaces. And especially like he loved being the, the Black Lives Matter, you know, oh, pastor. Yeah. I'm the guy who will say that. Right. <laughs> I'm like, but you're, you're staffing demographics are not changing right, at all. Right, right. The people that yeah. you're raising up. That, yeah, that was, I, I mean, he was just mimicking what was at Wave Church. I think Wave Church was like, POC was about 50%. Well, that was your, that was your, uh, on what? <laughs> what, what Mary, Mary had like a uh, eye-opening, uh, was another, I'd call it another conversion experience. You know, you, you well, so Mary had a, um, you had a knack for like colorblindness, after going to Alfred University and oh, yeah. being really like kind of just in the mix and not even thinking about things. White, white people grew up at um, Alfred University. But it was actually, it was actually um, his transition away from WAVE. There was this uh, send off. Uh, yes, like a I remember. They had a send off. So it was his last day of WAVE. And, you know, we go to the third floor, go to the third floor. You need a fog to get in. So you need that special treatment the oh, yeah. pastor need to pick you in order to get to we had uh we had uh, amassed the funds to build a three-story megastructure yeah so service. so on the third floor parlance was having they were having a going away party and for some reason i was on a hospitality team and you know they picked me to go ahead and serve and me and a couple of people were serving and we're just standing there because you know hospitality you know how catering is you know you wear your outfit and you stand you know stoically and I'm standing, I'm doing my job, and all of a sudden, I'm looking at the people I'm serving. It was about how many people? About a hundred? No, it wasn't a hundred. It's like sixty people. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even up there. But it was about, you know, it's like a nice brunch. Oh, not not a brunch. It was like an evening dinner. But it was about, I would say, I think a hundred people was too much. I think it was like sixty people. And I look, and it was only one black person, hmm. and he wasn't even fully black, girl. He was black and Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> And I looked around, and before, I never used to look at that. I don't know why, I don't know why. But I never used to look at that. But all of a sudden, it opened, and they were giving him, what was they giving him, a little Louis Vuitton bag or his wife or something, they were, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it must be nice, I can't wait. I wanna be a pastor to get free gifts like that, right. you know. And um, I look over, and I'm like, wait a minute. Wait. And I got, like, hot, I was pissed. Because I was like, yo, the only full black people here are the ones that's catering and serving. I don't like this. I don't like this. Girl, I ran into the bathroom. And at that time, you know, they're teaching us, oh, you know, the Holy Spirit, blah, blah, blah. So I'm talking. I'm like, yo, God, like, I'm pissed. And I, you know, at that time, I, you know, they kind of non-verbally taught us, you know, anger. You should check that away. So I'm checking my anger. And for some reason, I didn't feel any kind of governing of the anger. Like, yeah, yeah, bitch, that, that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I feel every bit of that. Right. And I went out and I felt, I, I went out and I was like, yo, this is righteous anger. Yeah. This is, this don't make no sense at all. Like, how do people, how do people, who's even tending to the POCs? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was pissed. Let and alone, I said, this got to change. I said, this got to change. But then I thought to myself, like, we was going to be the change. But, the evangelical industrial complex and we had to and we had to said, oh I am going to be the change yeah. changing myself from here to there yeah that be the change thing I mean that's uh, listen that's what I'm, I'm like how, how are you me <laughs> I'm looking around like this ain't right oh this must be my job I, if I'm noticing it it must it must be because this is what I'm supposed to be right Right. Classic abuse. <laughs> it's my problem. I got to fix it. Right. It ain't real. It's in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> and that is that for now. 
Talking with Mary and Jimmy and walking down those avenues of love and relationships and white evangelical spaces brought up so many thoughts for me. As much as evangelicalism makes marriage a gold standard, leaders do a surprising amount of thwarting and interfering and discouraging. I know more than a few people who, if they had heeded the advice of their leadership, they would not be with their person. For reasons ranging from their person not being saved, not being from their church, not being involved enough in their church. I look back on it now and it is scary how much authority completely unqualified people felt fine exerting over such important decisions in the lives of people they ultimately didn't even care about. And there's a special kind of grief I hold for myself and for too many of my friends, amazing, amazing black women who just weren't seen as viable options in that system. But the Hillsong categorical idea is the white married male, and the less your categories match up, the more out of luck you are. So if you're out there and still in one of those churches, girl, what? Get out. Or if you did get out, and remnants of those churches are still in you, and you're still trying to figure out what was wrong with you that kept those churches from working out for you, the answer is nothing. There is nothing wrong with you. It was just the wrong place. Because it's a wrong place full of wrong theology, wrong perspectives, and wrong people in leadership. So everybody, please stop listening to people who do not know you. Stop thinking God needs someone with the title of pastor to speak to you. Can God use an ass to speak? Sure. But even in that Bible story, that ass was the closest thing to him. And for 95% of us, there are 100 people closer to us than the dick with charisma. And there are so many much more interesting voices to pay attention to. People can find us on A Drink with the Bensons. That's all one word on Instagram and our podcast. That's it. that's where we get raw and, and gritty. And then you can find us at jimmyandmarys.com if you want to take care of your skin and your hair. The side hustle. P.S. When y'all visit Jimmy and Mary's, go on and get you some whipped shea butter and use the promo code God is not given for 20% off. Anyway. I am Janice Legata. This has been another episode of God Is Not Given. Thank you for joining me. If this has meant anything to you, sparked anything for you, it was just a general good time, please let the people know. Rate and review this podcast on Apple. Ask about me at God Has Not Given on the gram. And if you'd like to support this podcast or me as a person, Patreon, Venmo, and Cash App are all available options. So hit the show notes for all the links. Take care of you. Be well. And I will talk to you soon. I am an E. I am an E. I am an E.